Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. That's why we don't try to time the market and why it's so important when you make a plan, you stick to it and you stay stuck to that plan long term because we don't build these plans for three days, four days, three months, six months. We build them for five, 10, 15 plus years. Mm -hmm. So they need to be implemented for five, 10, 15 plus years in order for them to work. So it's hard to do, no doubt, but it's the prudent and right thing to do. And I think we're getting closer to where I can finally beat my drum and say we're kind of done with this technical recession and we can move on to more of a cyclical bull market. What's going on, guys? Welcome into Money Moves. Yo. Matty A, my co-host, Mr. Breedwell. What up, y'all? Dude, I'm a little hungover from yesterday, not going to lie. I'm feeling good. I went to the gym. Monday night, we went out and did it right. Yeah, we did. Well, we're planning... Are December 14th. Well, 10th, December 14th. December 10th. Next Wealth Wine 10th. and Dine event. That is something that I'm super excited about because the first one was such a hit. And um, man, we met some really amazing people from all over our Millionaire Mindcast community and uh, had a really good time in Napa. Got yeah. some world-class tasting experiences, mastermind time. We got interview time with the owner of the vineyard in his wine uh facilities i mean it was it was cool and we're crafting another world-class one-of-a-kind event too so um we got to enjoy a couple bottles of wine last night yes we did we had like what four or five courses you had four or five <laughs> courses i had a salad fatty maddie came out last steak. night let's just you say had that like a gnocchi a, a the gnocchi salad, lobster was a steak Oh, we both had dessert, though. Yeah. Yeah, I three-coursed it. You four-coursed it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was good. You had a great Halloween party this last weekend. Yeah, that was really fun. Dude, Alex yeah. outdid herself. Shout out to the wifey. Yeah, wifey always did. The house amazing. looked unbelievable. It was so terrible to clean the next day, but it got done. Yes. My housekeeper was complaining yesterday of how dirty our floors were. There, She was like, your floors oh, yeah. are so dirty. Your floors are so dirty. I was like, I'm sorry. We got after I'm it. I'm sorry. We got after it. Yep. And of course, we got some great stocks, real estate, and personal finance to cover today for you guys. If you are new to the show, welcome in. 
We talk all things money. So you can make some moves on your financial journey. Each and every week, Mr. Brewell and I, we break down our respective verticals. And for those of you that are new to the show and haven't taken advantage of a free financial x-ray from Ryan and his team, Mm -hmm. be sure to do that. They get to connect with you, your amazing squad. Yep. And essentially what we're going to do is we're just going to take a look at your current portfolio, what you're doing, how much in fees you're paying, what's your asset allocation. We'll get an, uh, I almost said an advisor, we'll get an analyst to give us a full breakdown of the fees, kind of where you're allocated, what you're doing. And then I'll just give you my opinion on if there's something better to do, if there's a better way to do what you are doing, or if there's a product that we can use potentially like life insurance to kind of enhance what you're doing. That's just the big gist. There's no cost, no obligation to do anything, but we've been able to help quite a few people uh, through their investment journey with that. And for all my credit investors, uh, well, first off, X-ray. Tone's got it up on the screen. Oh, yeah. 844-447-1555. And uh, for all my credit investors, you know, I'm very particular about what deals and offerings we put out to our credit investor network. Uh, the Houston one filled up super fast. Uh, the 206-unit apartments, that was amazing. Uh, many of you took advantage of that, got involved in that. Um, this week, got a new exciting one that we put out uh, this morning. Was it this morning, Tone, or yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. the days have, have been blending together um, mm-hmm. on the Green Coffee Company. And this is a special one. One, because um, I know Adam Jason, one of the co-founders, and their track record and how they have already crafted and curated so much success in what they do is world-class. Um, and so I was really excited to partner with them in helping on uh, their capital raise for uh, their Series C. So really exciting to see what they've got going. And uh, Columbia's number one uh, largest producer of coffee. They've got some massive partnerships that they just landed this year with Starbucks. I mean, they're, mm. they're blowing up. And so essentially, this is to get in pre-IPO. They're going to be going IPO uh, and either that or um, selling the, the company here in 2026 or so. So if you guys want more information on that, text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. And that'll get you guys information on the webinar, the investment deck, all of the offerings. Um, Obviously, you do need to be a credit investor. So uh, get on that list. With that being said, we got some great stuff to cover with you guys today. Um, Some market uh, headlines last week. You made some predictions. We saw what played out. We're going to yep. cover that. Yep. Your quant analysts have been running a lot of very specific and pointed scenarios and data through their models to help kind of predict what you guys think we should or could be seen here in the near future with the markets, obviously the Fed doing what they're doing. Uh, we're going to talk about how does all of that impact your investments and men what the market has been doing the last few days, which I know you are very happy about. So we got a lot to cover there. And of course, uh, some real estate updates for you guys, some new data coming out with uh, home builder uh, confidence, You know, housing starts, where we're seeing uh, the market and rates as they sit today and what they're potentially going to look like post uh, you know, the federal open market uh, uh, meeting minutes coming out and what their sentiment is. So with that being said, Mr. Breedwell, what went down last week once they released Core and CPI? So headline came out much hotter than anticipated. 
which is not the one I really am worried about. And then the uh, core came out what I call flat, but that just means that it didn't increase. It increased, but not at a higher rate than it did at the at the previous month. So it was 0.4, 0.4, 0.6, 0. 0.6. So inflation still went up um, by the CPI measure. Um, there was a lot of volatility in the market due to that, but still over the past two weeks, the uh, Dow and the S and P have both ended up right around one percent uh, each week. Uh, in a very volatile five trading sessions, no doubt, big swings both days, or excuse me, every day that the market was open, but ending up higher at the end of the uh, weeks. Uh, fast forward to Monday, we had a really big day in the market um, due to a, a slew of reasons, mainly that earnings are starting to come in. And it kind of started off by uh, American Airlines raising their forward guidance saying like, hey, we are going to have much better earnings than we anticipate. Um, And that was kind of the domino effect that said, wait, airlines and travel stocks uh, like like cruise lines and stuff, they've been getting hit really hard. Kind of like when, if you remember the pandemic, they were the first to get get really like slaughtered. Yep. Um, We see then uh, fast forward to today in the market, not only do we have huge beats across the board in multiple different sectors, Netflix beating on top and bottom line, earnings per share and revenue, um, and subscribers. They almost quadrupled their subscriber expectation. Mm. Um, we had a pharmaceutical company, a healthcare company, uh, surgical, I forget, intuitive surgical, I believe. They reported a, uh, earnings, uh, or excuse me, an estimate beat. Uh, we have United Airlines not only reporting increase in margins up to 11.5%, uh, but increase in the amount of money they're making per chair per mile. And they actually had the highest revenue quarter they have ever had ever as a company. So what I'm starting to see, and this is why it takes time for data. If you hear me say, I think things, but I got to see the data because I'm waiting for the actual stuff to come out. This is where earnings becomes important because earnings a lot of the times is very important for a catalyst for a bull market. And it's not going to be the catalyst that starts this bull market. But what it's going to do is be indicative that corporations and management are effectively passing through costs to consumers and consumers are accepting that cost and they're not slowing down their spending, which is not the norm. Mm -hmm. All the models are going to be built to say that if that happens, things are going to go haywire. So that's where a lot of the predictive models are going. I was even starting to lean towards that based on last week's reports. If we keep seeing these companies and management being able to do so, we have to take a step back and say, okay, well, this is abnormal, but it's happening. So we have big companies reporting this week. We have like Tesla reporting tomorrow. Today's Tuesday, tomorrow's Wednesday. Um, I think the rest of the week is kind of scattered, a little bit more tech. Next week is going to be a lot more of the core of the Dow. We're going to have a lot of S&P 500 heavyweights and some NASDAQ heavyweights reporting. I can't remember all the names right now, but if we can have this rally like this sustained through this week and then hold through next week, I think you're going to see a lot of cash start coming off the sidelines. And I don't want to say that this could be the start of a long-term, you know, multi-year bull market. But we may hit a rally that I was somewhat predicting and a lot of analysts have even been coming out and saying that could happen to get the S&P 500 back above 4,000, which is still our price target before the end of the year. If all of that happens, uh, one of the things that will need to be a part of that story 
is the December rate hike that's going to happen needs to be 50 basis points or lower. I think that's a catalyst. November, they're still obviously talking 75, no 75. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, December would be depending on correct. A few things, a few things. And we're going to go into the one that we talked about earlier in a second. So I I don't want to skip ahead too much, but we, it should be noted and priced in that 75 basis points is the likely raise for November. But I do think that when we get, our rate hike, which there should be and there will be in December, we have a better potential should this rally hold through to get a lesser of a rate hike. So instead of 75 basis points, there may be more of a dovish tone to say, hey, the measures that we're applying to the market are working. And so we feel comfortable by raising rates still, but at a lesser at a less aggressive pace now by only half a percent. I think that would be huge for people because that tells them that the light is at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. That's all people are really waiting to see. And if you couple that timing with the fact when it's holidays with the Santa Claus rally that we sometimes have, I think that's a potent mix for a massive end of year rally. What will that do for the beginning of the year? Time will tell, but at least for the end of the year, that could be a really good potential setup. And this again is why you do not try to time the market. I was talking to Matt earlier and I was saying everybody who went to cash or has sold out and gone to cash or done something else, I mean, you're just an idiot for that. You've missed almost 5% just on the S&P and it's about to be 7% when the market opens tomorrow in earnings that you could have had back from losses, which Mm -hmm. is probably the case. And you didn't have to realize that 7% down, you just had to be Mm -hmm. patient. And it was three days, three days difference. Got you 5% more. In about four days, it'll be 7%. That's why we don't try to time the market and why it's so important when you st- make a plan, you stick to it and you stay stay stuck to that plan long-term because we don't build these plans for three days, four days, three months, six months. We build them for five, 10, 15 plus years. Mm-hmm. So they need to be implemented for five, 10, 15 plus years in order to, for them to work. So it's hard to do, no doubt, but it, it's it's the prudent and right thing to do. And I think... We're getting closer to where I can finally beat my drum and say we're kind of done with this technical recession and we can move on to more of a cyclical bull market. Cool. I want to talk about that. Um, I always love getting your take on one of your favorite bears, Mr. Peter Schiff. Mm-hmm. The only way the stock market is anywhere near a bottom is if inflation is nowhere near a top. To re- reduce inflation to 2% monetary and fiscal policy much get, must get much tighter, meaning stocks must go much lower. For stocks to go higher, the Fed must surrender and let inflation win. I think where I would, uh, where we would disagree is that he would use CPI and CPI only as an indicator for uh, inflation. And as I was talking earlier, I was mentioning to you that we like to to look at things and sometimes um, certain data points get so overvaluated or so overdone, they throw off the calculation that we use as a whole. So for example, Social Security used to use peer CPI to um, increase Social Security for retirees. They now do a chain to look back on CPI, which removes a little bit more oil from that equation. Because to be frank, retirees don't use a ton of oils in their day-to-day. Mm-hmm. So it makes a more accurate 
um, a more accurate equation for us to uh, go off of. And I'm blanking on the name right now because I don't. The OER? The OER, but what does it so, stand for again? Owner's Equivalent Rent. Thank yep. you. Owner's so, Equivalent Rent. If we go Which back. measures how much money a property owner would have to pay in rent to be the equivalent to their cost of ownership. And at least from the data that was collected, 24% of CPI is made up of OER. Yeah. So when they take when they do the CPI calculation, that metric is 24% of what goes into calculating the number. And what we found is that if you remove OER from that calculation, which I had mentioned prior that housing prices were throwing off CPI numbers, not only is inflation flat, but it's actually negative over the past couple months. And so that's where I think Peter Schiff is wrong is that he's looking at a, at an older style or version of looking at that metric when the Case-Shiller index is a little bit more accurate and would also lean towards that being true because it's also flat since, I believe, March of this year. Case-Shiller index measures the change in value of U.S. single-family homes on a monthly basis. Values have seemed to be flat since May, but CPI obviously says they're running hot and it's still going up. Yeah, but if we have this is where this is and this is where you can kind of see this rearing its ugly head. If you look at the data, the data says your house is still going up in value. Mm-hmm. But if you ask any realtor or any commercial agent or anything else or even just look at price cut data, that's not true. That is not the case. Houses don't continue to go up and they and then people sell them for less. That's just not how it works. So um, there is that data point showing us one thing happening, but in reality, another is. So that that to me is a good example of what I think is happening with inflation data. And, and we also can back up and see this is why maybe the Fed was so late to the party saying that, oh, you know, inflation was transitory. They're maybe looking at data from a lens similar to Mr. Schiff in that, oh, no, we don't need to raise interest rates, even though it's pretty clear and obvious that inflation is starting to go up. And now it's kind of clear and obvious that inflation is starting to go down, but they're saying it's not. That is why I said last week the best thing for them to do is just to stop raising interest rates. Mm -hmm. If they would just let the market figure itself out, it'd probably be fine. Yeah. Um, That unfortunately won't happen because that's not what the Federal Reserve is, is established to do. Um, so yeah, I would, I would fall off on that opinion because I don't think that the data that's being used to calculate CPI is fair and true to what's actually happening. So is that a flaw in the calculation of CPI in your opinion? Yeah. And that's, that's eventually why we have core and we have headline and also why we have these other ways of, of tracking similar data points like the case Shiller price index um, other indices that exist. Um, that's why we track consumer sentiment. That's why we track. They're just data points and theories behind these data points lead us to outcomes. That is why it's important to kind of understand them. And the Case-Shiller price index came after um, CPI. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's almost like, why don't we use a whole life and we use universal life. Well, because universal life was designed after whole life based on the improvements mm-hmm. that whole life yeah, did. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's that kind of same thing. We we use the improved version 
not ignoring the old version because it still has some validity, but we need to understand during certain times because markets are completely different today than they were then and a newer metric or a newer model is going to be accurate for what is happening today versus what's happening then. I think it's good to have both. And I think it's good to say, yeah, we can see this. It's still going up here. But if we look at, if we take the one thing out that this thing measures better, the, the newer one, it actually is going down. And why do we see all these deflationary? You're going to start seeing all over the news. You heard it here first. You heard it here from me for the past couple of weeks. You're going to see the word deflationary start coming up. And when people start talking about commodities, I was worried about the OPEC thing, like I had mentioned, but oil prices are down 7% for the past week, which is a surprise to me, but is a fact of what's happening. So I have to look at the data, what's happening and say, where does that lead me to go? So the Biden administration kind of rolled out some new rules that would severely limit China's ability to make semiconductor chips. Yep. How does that tie into supply chain, our tech? I think uh, they gave a, uh, like a, a hall pass to Taiwan. Um, so Taiwan Semiconductor still, I think it's a temporary one year or two year pass for them to continue to, um, give us those chips. Um, I think it's a problem until we get the domestic, um, uh, facilities established to produce those chips. And I'm under the impression that's a couple years out still, mm-hmm. um, especially given we have supply chain issues still. Yep. Uh, so it's hard to build anything. That's why for me, I'm, I'm, n- I hear everything you're saying. I still feel as kind of like I said last week that we just haven't seen inflation really get choked out yet. And that I know we're obviously... You'd have to, you'd have to say then, you have to follow that up. I always tell people, we got to finish the sentence then. So where is it not? Because supply so, chain is so not going, inflation. Going back to, and that, that was what I was going to finish was with going back to what you said, right? A lot of the companies are looking at, hey, it's cost of doing business is a lot higher. We got to pass that on to our customers. Our customers are going, that's okay with us. We're willing to continue to do business in this capacity at this level. And my my point is what doesn't, from the sentiment in the market, the psychology of most of our population right now to me feels, and and again, I, I don't have super solid data points around this except for what feels like to be some macro trends of from the the print that was done the safety nets that were given to so many people fiscally in many facets of business their personal life now it doesn't feel like even though the reality is a lot of those things are gone right mm-hmm. the party is over those areas have dried up now, smart money has really, I believe, played the game and understands what's going on. Main Street and the large pool of the population, I feel, is still of this mindset of a lot of those safety nets still being in place and they ultimately getting back to living, spending money as needed on food or trips or energy or whatever has kind of been lulled into this sense of comfort that I believe at some point in time, those inflationary costs that are getting passed down from business to consumer, eventually consumer pocketbooks are going to dry up, right? They're not going to have that amount of disposable and expendable cash. Well, the data would argue opposite of that because savings accounts are at a 50-year high. So then that, that's why I always have to tell people, you gotta, you, that's why data points are so important mm-hmm. when if people feel that way, there has to be... Just like, you know, if, if we are in a recession, 
well, then, then employment, unemployment has to be out of control and it's not. So we're not in a true full-blown recession. We're in a, and I'll say it again, technical recession because mm-hmm. there's certain things happening that would make it technically a recession. Um, but that's, unfortunately, that's not, it's not been the case all year. And, and, and news has been saying that companies were, are not going to make earnings and they're not, and literally all year, it's the same thing that happened during COVID. Mm-hmm. They said all these companies are not going to make money. They have to report losses. And what did all the companies do? They reported beats. Yeah. Just because some analyst thinks or says or some wealthy person comes and says, this is what we have a lot of money and this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it right. You have to go to all the little crevices. Oh, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I still feel like the... um there's still a good chunk of dust that needs to settle that will lead to some level of financial hardship that we just haven't, we've seen it and felt it in the stock market, but like, I don't think it's really hit families and households in the areas that really are meaningful right now. And I know you don't think like when we were talking, you don't think unemployment is going to go up right next year. I'm of to the a, camp that I a, believe uh, it will. To a, to a, and I clarified, I think it was like to a level that's like, Irrelevant, More, right? Worrisome, yeah. Like I wouldn't worry about unemployment until it gets above five and a half percent. Yeah, um, that's just a, it's just a historically a, a level we're at, and unemployment's going down um, per our last report. So I there's nothing, there's not one thing besides the stock market not recovering. Yeah, because honestly, here's, I don't know why I'm so like not tr- like I'm a I'm a data guy as you are, right? And that's why I love you and I have great dynamics of how we kind of frame our perspectives and where we're coming at things sometimes. And for some reason, I don't know if it's because of this data set that is of of various new variables that have never been in previous data sets because of the pandemic, I feel like are some of these secret systemic things that were maybe not ultimately, I don't know if I trust how people are putting all of that together, even though it all historically and cyclically all makes sense, right? I just feel like there's something weird that I can't put my finger on about maybe the next 12 or 24 months that I still feel like is going to create opportunity really is what I'm getting at, right? But at the end of the day, it still is something that I'm not as optimistic about yet. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group 
who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. I still feel like the data's, but you're, you're, yeah, you're, I just, you're seeing it. With I'm your not like, I wouldn't say like of- optimistic, like I said, but I'm looking at the data and I'm saying that's better than I thought. Oh, wow. That's better than I thought. Yeah. Wow this is happening. And I really feel like the, a bad, so eventually what you have to do is, um, the old saying, you should have get the fuck out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Not you or me or just as a general, sometimes we have to take a step back and things just are because that's the way they are. Yeah. Well, and what is the future that you're betting on? Right. If especially still, if we're playing a long-term game, you know, what's the future that you're betting on? And, making sure that you really put in the effort to understand your plan based on the theory you have and the data you're basing those theories off of. Yeah. So that way you can at least just execute on it, right? Like I think for me, um, when I talk to people that are on my team or that work for me or that I get to work with, you know, one of the number one things for me that I judge myself off of is not the results that I get. That is highly important Mm -hmm. and a very big part of what score I give myself. But the number one thing that I think is even more important than your results is the effort and the planning that you put into it. And, you know, sometimes when you don't necessarily get the outcome that you want, but you put a hundred percent of your effort and you worked your ass off on the plan and you executed on that, Hey, some a lot to be learned. You can live with that. Right. Yeah. And so I think knowing where we're at, at this stage of the market, why we have these conversations every week is because one, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And two, we want to give people the space to participate in the conversation that allows them to go out and maximize their effort, their plan and their execution. Right? Yeah. And the bottom line is, I mean, this is the just dead facts of how it would stand. If the stock market starts recovering, everything else is going to go away. That's bad. (laughs) And I know that sounds like so facetious and like what a douchebag thing to say, but it's just facts. People, why do you think, um, go look at how people vote. 71% of people on any political party vote based on what's going on in the stock market. Well, here's an interesting statistic that I actually found the other day that I thought you would appreciate. Hmm? Americans who own stocks. America. 56% of Americans own stocks. Does that surprise you? Or is that more than you thought? No, that's about what I thought. That's about what you thought. Okay. Yeah, about six out of 10. I thought there was more. Okay, so yeah, six out of 10 if you're rounding up. 10% has been returned annually from the stock market since 1926 on average. And they're seeing about 3.4%. And the top 10% of earners in the U.S., 92% 92% of them own stocks and their average stock portfolio is just shy of a million dollars. So to me, that tells me that, you know, if you're already in the stock market, right. And you're one of those six out of 10 people, you're going to give yourself a good chance of getting a 10 plus 
5% on average return year over year. If you are aligned and allocated with somebody that knows what they're doing or you know what you're doing, right? But you're, but you're in the game. You're playing a, a quality game. Yep. And if you do this over an extended period of time, you have the ability just by one simple process and discipline of being invested in the market, you're going to give yourself a chance to be in the top 10% of earners by the time you retire. Yeah. Easily. And then then literally if if what you do is, and Barron's had this report and it came out and it showed like what people in certain net worths do with their money. You'll start to see once you get to like higher net worths and I'll always have an overweight towards stocks and stuff because it's what I do. Right. And Matt would have an overweight towards real estate. That would be silly if we didn't. Yeah. We love, Um, we love our products. But as a whole, as a whole, people, people get, their 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 portfolios don't get smaller. They just stop adding to them because they don't need to anymore because the dividend yield is high enough to support itself. And they start taking that money out and they they buy commercial real estate and they buy businesses. Literally. Yeah. I mean it's a it's a fact as as black as black and white as white and the sky is blue. It's it's just what they do. Because eventually there's a there's a terminology, level of diminishing returns. There's I would love to have five hundred million dollars in stocks anybody would. But you would be a fool to say that the person that has $250 million in real estate and $250 million in stocks doesn't make more money than you because he does. Mm-hmm. Even though they have more, the same amount of asset, there's tax benefits you get from real estate that you yep. don't get from stocks. There is things you just can't do with just stocks. And you can say the same thing about real, real estate. estate. And that's why we always harp. It's so important to do it all because everything is symbiotic to itself to to the 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 holistic approach. If you don't own real estate, that's okay. You can get to a point where you can own real estate. And if you don't own stocks or or traditional investments, that's okay. You can get to a point where you can do that. But just doing one and thinking that's going to be your answer because that's what you understand, that's a lame excuse and will keep you in the poor and slow lane for a long time in my opinion. It takes it takes courage to do anything for the first time, but just go look at again the data. Wealthy people, you know a lot of them. I know a lot of them. All of them have real estate. All of them own businesses, yep. and all of them have stocks. A lot of them have insurance as well. Oh yeah, I mean, pretty much every wealthy person I know has all four of those in many different capacities. And they use them all differently to mm-hmm. fit their their lifestyle and their wealth building journey the way they want to. And it's so nice when you have all things because then you're not pinholed into just one or two or three things. You have all of them. Yeah. And I would argue if you have those four things, you don't need anything else. You minus maybe a business, right? A couple businesses, which is kind of like real estate that is it a little more intangible, right? You don't normally own the buildings in your businesses. Sometimes you do. But anyway, those are really good areas and they're not as sexy and they're the crockpot mentality, but damn, they work super good. And they're they're a snowball like at the top of a mountain is so dangerous by the time it gets to the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. But it take it starts small. Spot on, I think too. One of the things that I'm challenging myself with this next year that kind of to that point is you know, the, the further I get in running businesses, further I get into managing and owning my finances, the further I get into this journey myself, every year you want to look at and spotlight areas that you want to amplify your skill set, level up. And 
do it in the areas that really matter, right? Like things that you could potentially delegate. I don't know if I'd spend as much time there as like the areas that you really want to own that have the highest ROI in your time and your skill set. And when I think about this wealth building model and game, we're all kind of playing, right? And thinking about those are literally the the, the pillars right there is you got real estate, stocks, you got your you know retirement in terms of traditional stuff, traditional stuff. Then you've got businesses and and then you've got, yeah. And then you've got your insurance vehicles. Um, and the more accurate you can have that data, the more organized you can have that data. And I think most importantly, the more accessible that information is to you as you can relate all of that back to your financial goals and plan, what you're doing is you're giving yourself the best possible opportunity to make the best decisions on the most accurate and updated information that are tied to the gap you're closing on your financial goals and plan. Simply called an informed decision. And that's what I want to continue to level up this next year in my journey is like having this financial dashboard, which I do have it in a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. I want to get it all organized in one spot. So literally as one thing drops or another thing needs to get offset or something is doubling, right? You're truly able to make the best decisions based on your plan and continue to stay the course, course correct, drop in more money, you know, whatever it may be. Right. And so that's an area that, um, I'm grateful for the x-ray that you guys do on my portfolio every year. If you guys haven't taken advantage of that again, I would highly recommend it. X-ray to 844-447-1555. But those are things that I think uh, as we get through this cycle of where we're at, um, you want to have both hands on your financial steering wheel going in the direction you want it to go in and doing it with confidence. And you need to have that organized and up-to-date Step number one. And that's something that crazy how many people don't have updated P&Ls, updated balance sheets, updated personal financial statements, all your tax returns, all your financial accounts, what your cash balances are. I mean, I'm talking like real detail, like wealthy people have real fucking details in their plan that they know when you ask them a question they can say it practically within seconds, not like, oh, maybe. It's like I'm talking like real people that own their finances and their wealth at a high level. They know their shit. They know it well. They might have a lot of people around them that are owning certain upkeep of those things, but they know all the things they need to know. And that's something that I aspire to level up in and that I would encourage anybody that can't do those things at that elite of a level, that that's something to aspire to as well, because it's only going to serve you in your financial journey. Agreed. I had to, uh, it's funny because like we can just be like, oh yeah, what do you think you're making this year? What are you trying to do next year? What do you think your net worth is? Yeah. Where is it coming from? Mostly, and, it's just and, like kind of you can. And obviously, it's like uh, I think this, uh, I think this, uh, but it's not like hold on, let me go check my accounts. It's like we have a pretty good rough idea. I can tell you the balance of my checking account probably within a thousand dollars, and I haven't looked at it in couple days. I just know what's going in and what's going out. Yep. Yeah. It's one of those things to always have that accurate and updated info. All right. Some final stock market trivia for you. Shortest since we are still what we would consider a bear market, correct? Oh, 100%. All right. This is, and it's the third worst bear market on record. Okay. Well, let's see. So you're, you're already starting to drop some data. I didn't so this is bear going. market trivia for okay. Mr. Breedwell. 
Shortest ever bear market. How many days and in what year? I think it was 2020. Correct. Yeah. And I don't remember how many days. About, I believe it was like 75 or... 33 days. 33 days, wow. Wow. 2020. Yeah, I knew it was 2020. All right. Longest ever bull or bear market? Uh, a dot-com bus, 2000 to 2003. Ooh, 2000 to two, that late 2002, 929 days. Your boy knows what he's talking about. All right. Um, the average bear market is? 14 months. So yeah, 388 days. You are spot on. And we are currently what day of this bear market? I don't know what day, but I would say we're somewhere around 260. 288. Yeah. 288 days into, as you said, third longest Third worst and third, third worst, third worst. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think the worst. I think it would be Black Monday was the worst, and then I honestly think two thousand seven, two thousand eight was the second worst. I think that was literally the second worst uh, drop in the stock market ever. Mm. Mm-mm. Well, we got some uh, National Association of Home Builders data that came out today. Uh, based on the housing market index, was at 38, down from 46 in September. Basically, any number below 50 indicates Bad. that more builders view sales conditions as poor rather than good. Uh, no shocker. Yeah. Interest I mean, rates are at 7.2%. That's a duh. Uh, they're going to be probably up around 8.5 by the end of the year. Uh, we're, we, I remember I told you, I think they'll creep up into nine, nine, yeah. even with rate, even when rates go down. Do you remember when I made that prediction that rates would be between eight and 10% by the end of the year? I you doubted I me. I didn't doubt you. You doubted me. No, go back a couple episodes. Everybody get on Matt's head. I said, interest rates <laughs> going to be around 9%. <laughs> no, somebody, I forget who it was, but somebody was like, that's crazy. I'm like eight to 10%. I wouldn't be surprised. No, I, I, I was telling you. This was get, early in the year, though. This was like in February. If it, if they get there, I think what I was saying is like, it's our parents did it. Yeah, it's on lesser of an asset, but they also made less money. Don't yeah. They? Come on. Builder confidence in the market for newly built single-family homes dropped eight points in October. Um, that is half the level it was just six months ago. This will be the first year since 2011 to see a decline for single-family starts, said National Association of Home Builders Chief Economist Robert Dietz. And given expectations for ongoing elevated interest rates due to actions by the Federal Reserve, 2023 is forecasted to see additional single-family building declines as the housing contraction continues. While some analysts have suggested that the housing market is now more balanced, the truth is that the home ownership rate will decline in the quarters ahead as higher interest rates and ongoing elevated construction costs continue to price out large numbers of prospective buyers. So, yeah. That's Again, a very well said uh, article, right? I mean, right back into we're not going to see a crash because you ain't going to see more supply catch up, and we know how supply uh, just went down. Yeah, I mean, we know how far behind we are in, in housing supply. Um, California Association of Realtors predicts that home prices are going to decline eight point eight percent in twenty twenty three. Oh, Lord. So again, we're going to see less signed contracts. You know, we're going to see low inventory still. I don't think. I mean, we just saw forbearance data came out today, yes. which is basically right and dis- and people in distress with their mortgages. And that, foreclosure data came out too, and, and all down. and all declined. Um, so we're not going to see some massive flood change there. I think we are just going to see this 
I mean, that's exactly what the Fed is doing. They are slowing everything down. This will go down. The velocity of how money, services, products, and goods, right? All of these things were flowing and happening. The velocity was so fast that as the Fed continues to do what they're doing, policy obviously is going to play a part in all of this. Things are going to slow down. And that's where I'm, I'm interested to see how the data reflects and dominoes based next on week is things slowing big. down. Stock market being up next week will make me say some crazy shit. So Ooh. we're going to see what happens at the end of this week and through next week. Inventory compared to the same week in 2021 is up 33%. Um, Which is good. We've got year over year, it's up. Inventory is up compared to 2020. Uh, and it's up compared to 2019, but it's currently down 39.5% still. So again, yeah, I was just saying, tons just of need, room to go. Yeah, it just still needs to keep going up. And the thing is that by that going up like that, that will naturally massage itself into the market and work out some of the kinks that are being caused by there being a lack of supply. That lack of supply is only good for sellers. Yeah. Or builders or home builders. And at this point, as you can tell, home builders aren't going to want to buy. So lack of supply is not going to be good for anybody. Yep. So with that being said, we're going to close it out with the top eight qualities of a great leader. Many of these qualities you have, my friend. Right back at you. We will. And Anthony. uh, I'm going to leave it up to you to to pick pick one. What what would you say is one quality of a great leader? Uh, Honesty. That kind of ties in a little bit with I, which I agree. Um, so the top eight qualities of a great leader: visionary, mm-hmm. inspirational, strategic and critical thinker, great interpersonal communication skills, authentic and self-aware. They take responsibility, understands patience, and they're continuously improving themselves. Yeah, I think the last one is very important and would also be like constant, could be said as constant proactiveness because uh, leaders are not uh, stale or stagnant because you can't lead that way. Mm -hmm. You can follow that way, but you can't lead that way. Agreed. With that being said, guys, if you are not subscribed to the show, please subscribe. Hit that button. On iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on, leave a review. It would mean a ton to us if you get any value from the show. Uh, Don't forget to take advantage of the free financial x-ray with Mm -hmm. Ryan and his team. Just text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. If you want to get on my accredited investor list, just text the word deals to that same phone number. If you want to know more about our upcoming events, the last event sold out in less than 30 minutes. Uh, it's going to be another world-class event, if, especially if you like wine and you're coming out to the Mecca, Napa Valley, and you're getting some access to tours, facilities, um, and some masterminding with some world-class people that you just you can't buy your way into. Well, unless you're <laughs> you're buying it through us. Mm-hmm. Um, so text the word events to 844-447-1555. And uh, if you're not on my text letter, text the word notes. I'm putting that out each and every week. Shout out to Tone, who's been helping me produce that. And um, you can get on that by texting notes to that same phone number. With that being said, guys, we'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on 
or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.